Seth Wickersham, I am not one of those people who is obsessed with the NFL preseason, but there is this one question that I am fascinated by, and I feel like you are the ideal person to try and unpack it for us. So thank you for joining me. My pleasure. So let me ask it to you very bluntly. Who is calling the offensive plays in New England in the year 2022? That's a great question. And the short answer is that nobody knows. <laughs> they do not have anyone with the title of offensive coordinator in New England. Against the Giants in New England's first preseason game, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge each split the job, both of them calling offensive plays at different moments in the game, but neither of them has the title anywhere near in the realm of offensive coordinator. And in fact, they have these kind of funny titles that only the New England Patriots can get away with. Matt Patricia, the former head coach of the Detroit Lions, is the senior football advisor slash offensive line coach. And Joe Judge, <clears throat> the former head coach of the New York Giants, is the offensive assistant slash quarterback coach. Yeah, all of this has big, I'm the assistant regional manager, not the assistant to the regional manager energy running through it, Seb. Exactly. And I think that beyond the question of who's calling plays and how the offense will go, because New England's running a new offense this year, it's one of those fascinating aspects of the game from which you can distill everything that Bill Belichick is and has always wanted to be as a head coach. His entire philosophy of adaptability, flexibility, refusal to adhere to norms, willingness to take risks and accept the fallout that might result, it's all in there. And that's what makes this so interesting to me. Seth, it also feels to me, from the outside at least, like an episode of Succession, right? Like, here is the patriarch, here is the withholding dad, refusing to hand out this very high-profile job to his children. Do you know if one will call plays when the regular season arrives? Yeah, well, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll work it out. So have you decided? We, we're going through a process, just like everything else on this team. Seth, I'm listening to the Boston media. It doesn't seem like they're super confident in, in the Suns who are up for this job. Oh, no, I don't think that they are at all. And... There's a lot of reason for them not to be. Um, Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal, who's one of the, the smartest football minds, I think, out there, um, had a tweet that was his record of the Patriots' practice on August 1st. And it was a false start, an interception, a stuffed run, a two-yard run, a stuffed run, a good run, an overthrow, stuffed, <laughs> no gain, and stuffed. Yeah, and then Greg Bedard went on Sarah Spain's radio show, Seth, and he elaborated on yet another practice that he saw about a week later. Monday's practice, it was maybe the worst offensive camp practice I've ever seen in my life. Everybody kind of knew it. I mean, nobody got frustrated, but the look on Belichick's face, the look on Matt Patricia's face was just like, you know, oh my God, this is, we can't do anything. So this degree of panic from someone that we both respect, Seth, what does this mean? It's a great question. Now, this isn't going to be the first time that Belichick will be without an offensive coordinator. In fact, he's done it in the past. He did it way back in Cleveland. When he was with the Browns, he once had 15 coaches on his staff, but no mm. offensive coordinator. And when he was asked about it, he just said, all the coaches pitch in. <laughs> and All 15 of them pitch in. All 15 in. of them. Sure. But what does that mean for right now? 
I mean, I've spoken with some in the press, some friends of mine who who know the Patriots very, very well. There are a lot of theories floating around, but the one theme from all of them is that this seems to be an abject sh- show in the making. <laughs> Chaos would be one way to describe what's happening with the Patriots offense right now. But yeah, show that would be another. Because in Foxborough, there is no offensive coordinator. Not right now, at least. There is also no offensive football advisor or whatever that title would be. There is just Bill Belichick at age 70. The hoodie in winter. The Logan Roy of Foxborough. A guy we've all agreed is a defensive genius now daring us to trust his offensive wisdom and contain our snickering in the process. So today, Seth Wickersham explains how a multivariate mystery in New England is actually isolating one variable in particular and why all of it epitomizes one of the most important coaches in the history of sports. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Tuesday, August 16th. This is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Seth, for our non-football nerds in the audience, I just wanted to establish what it's normally like in the NFL if your head coach is a defensive-minded guy, quote-unquote. Like, how does the offense function, and who calls the plays in that circumstance? Well, usually a head coach gets that job because they have a particular expertise on that side of the ball, whether it's offense or defense. And so they're hired partially and mostly for for that expertise, And they usually delegate responsibility for whatever side of the ball that they're not the expert on to their offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator and kind of let them run the show. Obviously, as the head coach, they can set broad plans, but it's up to the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator to execute those plans. Bill Belichick, of course, is different. And the way the New England Patriots are run, of course, is very different from anywhere else in the league. And what I've seen from the Patriots from afar, Seth, obviously, is Bill Belichick, the Hall of Famer, the guy who is already in Canton for all intents and purposes, the guy who constructed this defensive game plan, this genius masterpiece for the Giants in Super Bowl XXV against the Bills, which built this reputation as this forever defensive guru. So what led you to learn about his offensive history? Yeah, years ago... I wanted to try to find out about how Bill Belichick ran offense because when you talk to players out of New England, they said that the type of offense that they ran 
was the most unique in the NFL in that its only identity was that it had no identity. It wasn't strictly from Joe Gibbs. It wasn't from Bill Walsh. It wasn't all from Ron Earhart, which is some of the stuff that Belichick knew very well when he was with the New York Giants. Right, that's Ron Earhart, the Giants offensive coordinator in the 80s and the early 90s under Bill Parcells. It was this mosaic of all the most successful offensive systems and plays that Belichick had seen, and I wanted to learn more about that. So years ago, I went down this rabbit hole, and it sent me to Tennessee to meet with this old man who's since passed named Ken Ship, And he was one of the main people who helped Bill Belichick learn so much about offense and about advanced schematics. Now, should I know who this guy is? Because I have no idea who Ken Ship is. He was kind of an offensive wizard in the 70s. In a weird way, he's most famous for benching Joe Namath. He became the interim head coach of the New York Jets one year, and he actually benched Joe Namath for missing curfew. He was known as an aerial wizard. He was a progressive thinker of the passing game, and he had coached Namath, Archie Manning, former St. Louis quarterback Jim Hart. In 1977, Lions head coach Rick Ferzano told Ship that he had hired a new assistant for him, a 24-year-old from Wesleyan University named Billy Belichick. Wait, hold on. Seth, I, <laughs> it's one letter, but Bill Belichick in no way to me feels like a Billy. He was a total Billy. Everybody knew him as a Billy. <laughs> and what was Billy into at this point? Unfortunately for Ship, Billy was fascinated with defense, not offense. And there's a funny anecdote about Ship thinking that Bill Belichick couldn't hang with him. He gave him a five-hour test about the playbook, and Belichick had been studying for it and studying for it, and Ship didn't think that Belichick would actually be able to pass this test, not with how complicated his playbook was. But Belichick took the test, and as Ship later told other coaches and told me, that he damn near answered everything. So Billy Belichick aces Ken Ship's test and goes on, of course, as we know now, to ace all sorts of tests in the Super Bowl. But the notion that this guy who was defensively interested also had all along this offensive acumen, Seth, how did that all fit together in terms of his understanding and mastery of the game? Well, in the 1980s, Belichick was fortunate in many ways. I'm sure that it didn't always feel that way, but in retrospect, it was fortunate that he faced so many innovative offenses during that time. From Joe Gibbs' Washington teams, Bill Walsh's 49ers, the run and shoot, even things that the Giants ran in practice. It was the moment in NFL history that was really starting to shift from running to passing. Mm. And Belichick knew, and Ken Ship actually told him this, because Ken Ship had been known and kind of pigeonholed as an offensive wizard and never a head coach. And he told Belichick, you have to be balanced. You have to know all three phases of the game. And Belichick took that seriously. And when he was with the Giants, he would study offenses, not just because he had to defend against them, but because he was starting to assemble an offensive playbook so that if he ever got a job as a head coach, he would know exactly what it is that he wanted to run. And in a very interesting way, that's very revealing, and it tells you a lot about where he is now. He was never going to cede that side of the ball to an offensive coordinator. Even from that age, in his late 30s, he knew that when he became a head coach, he was ultimately responsible. And the teams that he was 
the head coach of, were going to be running his offense. And so basically, he had the ultimate confidence because he was so good at scheming up defenses that he could also scheme up the things that his defenses were designed to stop. And had a hard time stopping. I think that's one of the most important things is that they weren't always successful. But he knew the hardest types of plays to stop. And so in his spare time, he put together his own offensive playbook, borrowing and tweaking plays from other teams. And it ended up kind of being his own that he invented. So how did Belichick see offense and defense being separate, but obviously conjoined inside of the Patriots building? When he got to New England, he was not going to let anything stop him from being successful. And if that meant coaching individual positions, he was going to do that. And one of those was quarterbacks. Charlie Weiss is his offensive coordinator. Dick Rabine was his quarterbacks coach. And Rabine tragically died of a heart attack in August of 2001. Rather than give the quarterbacks to Charlie Weiss, Belichick ended up coaching the quarterbacks himself. And that ended up being Brady's first year as a starter. They win the Super Bowl against the St. Louis Rams and launch a dynasty. And that became the beginning of a pattern. Belichick would meet alone with Brady and design the game plan with him. And they would talk about which offensive plays they liked and go through each defensive back and defensive starter and discuss the vulnerabilities of them. It really took a complex game and simplified it to its essence. You had the head coach and the quarterback, and they had to be on the same page. In a strictly one-on-one, like, you know, master and pupil kind of dynamic, it sounds like. Absolutely. You know, sometimes the other quarterbacks would be there, but it was primarily Belichick and Brady. And I talked to Charlie Weiss years later, and he said, you know, I would have loved to be a part of those, but he wasn't. And when Weiss had surgery in 2002, almost died and missed part of training camp, Belichick considered calling the offensive plays himself, Mm. but Weiss ended up returning for the start of the season. And so what you're saying, Seth, is that Bill Belichick has always had his hands like inches, centimeters away from the steering wheel on offense, which makes me wonder, now that he has lost Josh McDaniels, who was the number one boy in this family to borrow from succession, who was the guy running the offense in New England for so long, right? For years in a way that no one had ever seen before. What does Belichick feel like now in terms of his personal comfort zone, given that kind of organizational turnover? The organizational turnover is one of the most fascinating aspects of the New England Patriots operation because once they started to win Super Bowls at the early part of the century, Belichick knew that as long as they were winning, his assistants were going to be in high demand because other owners were going to look around and want to try to grab a piece of Belichick's brain. Right. And so he set up a system that allowed for him to take more control over things and also maintain continuity in the face of constant turnover with the staff. And part of that was him finding a way to make sure that the Patriots always were on the cutting edge of offense. And also finding a way, apparently, to just reject conventional football job titles. Yeah, it's one of the most interesting aspects of him as a head coach. And I think that he doesn't care about titles, not only because, as he said before, everybody pitches in, no matter what it is, but because... I think he knows that once people have a certain title, they become the target. Mm. And he would rather be the target as the head coach and being responsible for everything. For instance, Josh McDaniels was the quarterback's coach, but was calling the offensive plays during the 2005 season. Now, why wasn't he given that title as offensive coordinator? It was because as soon as 
Belichick names an offensive coordinator, that guy becomes a target for press, for fans, maybe even for players, who knows? And so Belichick would rather keep everything on him as the spokesman for the team, and he will accept responsibility for how everything goes, whether it's good or bad. So the Patriot way, Seth, is essentially Bill Belichick in ways that are obvious and hidden, but you've also reported that he enjoys targeting other teams and other offenses for the Patriots to study themselves. Absolutely. He is in total control. Um, around 2007, he sent McDaniels down to Florida to visit with Urban Meyer to learn about the spread offense. The Patriots come back that year using some of those spread concepts and a lot of the things that they had learned to, uh, to do over the years. And that 2007 team set a record for the, being the greatest offense in NFL history. So you're saying, Seth, that Bill Belichick was very eagerly copying the offensive homework of these other coaches, these other football minds that he admired. Everybody in football steals from one another, and Belichick's no different. But they figured out ways to adapt and to improve a lot of those methods that they were stealing. But still, within the building, sometimes you know the origin of a lot of these passing concepts or offensive ideas was a mystery. I remember I was once in New England talking with Belichick about some of their route combinations, and he mentioned the spread, and he mentioned Urban Meyer, and I said, well, what do you call those pass route combinations? And he goes, oh, we call it our Gator package. I was like, okay. Then I go talk to Brady about it, and I mentioned the Gator package. And he stares at me like he has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, why was that? Because he didn't. And I said, oh, well, Belichick called them the Gator package. And Brady goes, you have to remember, he's a defensive coach. <laughs> And that gap, that gap between master and pupil on the terminology of the offense, what does that suggest to you, Seth? I think that it suggests that the New England Patriots are and always will be something that comes directly out of Belichick's mind. And no matter where he gets the ideas, how much he shares about them, it's, it's completely at his discretion. All right. The ideas that Bill Belichick has for his third season without Tom Brady after the break. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom. Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
So, Seth, we're back now in the summer of 2022. The season is just a few weeks away. And I'm just seeing all of these quotes, these reports about how Mac Jones is in the best shape of his life. This is concurrent, of course, with all of the panic that we've discussed. How much stock are you putting into any of this? How are you feeling about how the Patriots offense is looking? Yeah, it's a confusing time. And while Belichick himself doesn't seem to be panicking at all because he never panics, the development of Mac Jones is the most important thing for him to do as a head coach. I mean, Mac Jones simply has to become a quarterback that in the playoffs can win games in the AFC, which is almost overpopulated with great quarterbacks. And how will that happen? You know, like you mentioned, Mac Jones has changed his diet. He's gotten in better shape. He's working with throwing specialist Tom House, the same guy that Tom Brady has worked with for years. But again, it comes back to this offense and the fact that it has just seemed like abject confusion from day one of training camp. So Josh McDaniels leaves for the Raiders and Belichick asserts more control over the offense like he's been wanting to do for years. He simplified things. He streamlined a lot of the terminology. He wants players to play faster than they had in years past. And finally, he wants to try to install a version of the Mike and Kyle Shanahan running game, this zone option and the play action that comes off of it that Mike Shanahan and Kyle have run so well against Bill Belichick over the decades. And that seems particularly to be in a very tough place with the season a couple weeks away. Yeah, the last time we saw Mac Jones play football, Seth, the Bills were blowing out the Patriots 47 to 17. And also, for the record, Bill Belichick and his defense, they were getting scored upon every time the Bills possessed the football. What do you think the feeling is like behind the scenes in the organization? Do you think that any of their feelings are echoing what people on the outside are talking about and laughing about? I don't think so, but even though New England likes to be surprising and unpredictable, you have to have an identity as an offense. And what is their identity going to be? Because right now, they've just not had any rhythm in any of their offensive practices, really. The reports out of there are, are, are not positive about the offense. And while Belichick will say, we're going through a process, it's hard to tell where this leads. I think the only thing that's clear is that even though there's a there's a lot of debate and chatter about who will actually call the offensive plays, it's going to be Bill Belichick's offense. And so it sounds, Seth, like for as much as there is all of this panic and all of these headlines about is it going to be Patricia or Judge calling the plays here, it's really down to the question of whether Bill Belichick, the emperor, has no clothes. <laughs> and I think he has a lot of clothes. But still, I think that there are a lot of legitimate questions about where this offense is going to be going forward. And now we're entering year three without Tom Brady, year three in the post-Brady New England Patriots. Um, the first year that Tom was gone, the Patriots go nine and seven, have a bit of a rebuilding year. They rebound last year and then just get waxed by the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. Now it's time for them to take that step forward, that final step where they're a Super Bowl contender. And we seem to have isolated all of the variables. This is about Bill Belichick. And this is about whether Bill Belichick can advance this team. Because no matter who's calling plays, Matt Patricia or Joe Judge, and I don't think it's competitive between them. I don't think it's like a bake-off. <laughs> We're all just working together right now, which is the great part about it. Don't feel like you're in a competition with Joe to be the play caller. 
No, we're, we're 100% just trying to make sure that we do everything as possible as coaches to allow our players to go do everything they can on the field. That's what's important, not the rest of it, if that makes any sense. Even though they don't have any offensive coordinator and there's all these theories that are about it, how the New England Patriots go into each game is going to be more reflective of Bill Belichick this season than maybe any other. Mm -hmm. And how he calls the offense and how the offense executes, I think will be fascinating because as Michael Lombardi once told me, Belichick looks at the three phases of the, of the game and has always looked at the three phases of the game, not as independent entities, but as complementary parts. He thinks like a basketball coach. <laughs> and so how all of those parts come together is going to be one of the most fascinating questions to watch the season. And of course, while it's a mystery who will call offensive plays, even though maybe it won't be much of a mystery, but people have speculated that it's because Belichick doesn't want anyone to meet with the press other than him as coordinators <laughs> are required to do. Which is a weird kink at this point, if that's in fact the theory. It could be because Robert Kraft, you know, ever thrifty, doesn't want to pay market rate for an offensive coordinator. <laughs> it could be because Matt Patricia is still getting paid by the Lions, and if he becomes an offensive coordinator, it might offset some of that money. Or it could be because Belichick himself is essentially going to be the offensive coordinator. And there are a lot of people who know Belichick well and know the New England Patriots system well who believe that at the end of the day, he's going to be the one calling plays. And so is this going to be formalized in any way? How is this going to work in practice if the shadow offensive coordinator is going to be the patriarch himself? Yeah, I think it's going to be formalized internally, maybe not externally. But one of the most fascinating aspects of the New England Patriots that should really come as no surprise, but it's still interesting nonetheless, is that maybe it doesn't actually matter who's calling plays. Mm. The Patriots prepare for situation and circumstance deeper and better than anybody in NFL history ever has. Sean McVay, when I was doing this story on him that came out last week, showed me his play card for the Super Bowl and every play was broken down by whatever situation it might come up. The Patriots take that to the nth degree. And so it removes a lot of the guesswork on game day. And whoever is calling the plays is really just executing the vision that's coming out of Belichick's mind. And you have to remember, at any moment, on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball, Belichick can weigh in and tell them exactly what he wants when he wants it. And so this season is going to be one of the most interesting tests for Bill at age 70, because it's going to be the first season where we're going to see him as a pure offensive mind playing out on Sundays. So what you're saying, Seth Wickersham, is that Billy has a new test to take. Yeah, and we will see if he damn near answers everything. Thanks for joining us, man. Anytime I can talk about Billy, I'm here for you. <laughs> For more Seth Wickersham, by the way, you can go buy his New York Times best-selling book, It's Better to Be Feared, The New England Patriots Dynasty and the Pursuit of Greatness, which is coming out in paperback at the end of the month. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>